0: episode 41 this week I have Tim we are going to be discussing the typical inspirations stories behind a couple songs etc uh, make sure that you're clicking below in that link section going over to those artists pages and showing them some love I want to thank you as always for listening I don't really have any updates at this point, so enjoy the show.
1: Hello, listeners. I am here with Tim Janakis, who is running two YouTube shows and doing his own music, and he's a writer. Uh, Why don't you tell them a little bit about some of the YouTube shows you're doing right now? Well, the one
2: I'm doing mainly is Live from Normal Heights. Yeah, we had it broken into two different shows, but now it's all just one show. I just I put it PG or not PG, if, depending on whether we become 420 friendly on the show or not.
1: Oh, I gotcha. But yeah. we we used to
2: break it into like we broke it into where it was in a cafe and one was on a bed, but I changed that just to where it's all on the bed now.
1: Okay. Yeah, the the cafe and, one had some great like uh, spoken word and stuff. That was awesome. Yeah.
0: Right now, we're trying to
2: get we're trying to get as many people that are doing things in San Diego. So I'm trying to interview as many people as possible and people coming to San Diego that might be doing performances here or doing lectures here or whatever. I want to get them on the show.
1: So um, that show also, it's really interesting. I watched I watched a, a few of them and then I just flipped through some more. There seems to be like an array of art and topical conversation. It's not just music. Like you've had uh, one one lady was talking about she did um, paint pour art, which was really cool. You had a poet. You had somebody talking um, sort of about what's going on. You just sort of so you really just try to keep it in the creative realm. Yeah, I've
2: I've, I've tried to get all kinds of people on. I even. Invited the two people running for Congress last time who, before one person won, I invited them both, and they said they were going to come, but they never came on. Uh I'm trying to get uh, Tim Piles on, who does the local artist spotlight on uh, 91X. He said he's going to come on soon. I'm just trying to get anyone who's doing anything productive in San Diego to come on, so it's not like any one subject.
1: So you seem like a supportive of of all art. Why is that so important to you? I actually was... Before I became a
2: singer-songwriter, I was I was painting and, and drawing and just doing art, and I wanted to learn how to become a singer-songwriter. And then I got to one point in my life where I was doing art every day, and I was practicing the trumpet and then the saxophone and the piano and the guitar every day. And I had no social life because I would just practice everyday hours. I chose at the time whether I was going to do music or whether I was going to do art, painting, and stuff like that. And I... I had a breakdown and I destroyed all my artwork. Oh no. Yeah. I had tons and tons of stuff I had been collecting for a long time that I created. And then I just, I destroyed it all. Cause I, I was pushing myself too much to do everything and, and it was killing all of it because I couldn't really focus on one thing. So I just after I destroyed it all, I'm just, I went straight to just doing music and I never went back to doing art, but maybe someday I'll do art in the, in the future. I feel art and, and, and music is a way that you can touch people in, that you can't in any other way. So it's my music is about influencing people to go beyond their limitations that are not really limitations, but fixed points of view that other people have about what is possible, and what isn't possible. And I don't think anything is limited in this in this infinite world we live in. There's infinite possibility in this world that we can explore. And I, I try to address that in my
1: music yeah I did I heard I heard quite a bit in that in your music so was that just like your your aha moment you're like this is what I'm doing this is what I'm picking this is what I'm focusing on um do you regret that decision or do you still yeah, like- I wish I had my old
2: artwork some, somewhere but back then we didn't have any computers where you can take pictures and stuff and right I, I should have took it on those old Polaroid cameras or whatever it would have been nice, but.
1: You know, they're reselling those. They're like.
2: Yeah. yeah. And again, now I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a lady at the beach who takes everyone's picture and she gives them a little por- Polaroid and I got one. Oh, she goes all over and does it. I forget her name, but I was going to get her on the show soon. Oh, yeah, you have to. That'd be great. The, the old Polaroids just were so cool because you can instantly see it printed out there. Yeah. Or you have to wait for it. The coolest thing is waiting for it. You see it.
1: It's, it's kinda, slowly
2: coming into view and
1: (laughs) you have to shake it a little bit so what are your musical inspirations
2: I was raised by a mother who was absolutely obsessed with David Bowie okay and I like your mother and she actually she spent the night with him at a hotel in 74 (gasps) or 75 in 74 I think it was and she had chased him she, to his hotel room after the concert. She, <laughs> and she ended up getting in the hotel room, listening to music and everyone slowly left the hotel room and, and she was left with David Bowie and ended up spending the night with him and woke up on, on uh, Valentine's day. And she, st- she still thinks to this day, the song he wrote Valentine's day was written about her, but I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only
2: David knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I, I, I loved David Bowie, but I, during junior high school time, I started listening to tears for fears. It became an obsession with me, their music. And I remember after they released their first album and I was waiting for another album and it, it seemed like forever until they released their second album. And they released one song that they, they didn't release anywhere. It just somehow got on, on the radio station up in LA and it was in between their first two albums. And I was just, it was such a, a feeling like, Oh my God, I got something I've been longing for for so long to hear their voice again. And I've always felt that way about music. I'll occasionally find an artist that I just I'll turn on their music. I'll listen to their whole new album and I just love it. Like 1972 by uh, Josh Rouse was such a great album. And that was sometime in the turn of the millennium. I forget when it was, but it was just like I was so depressed and then I found the album and I just listened to the whole album like 20 times and just I needed that so bad. Music just does that to you. It just you'll find something that just makes you feel so appreciative appreciative to be alive and that's what I feel like I hope my music does to someone. And I've already had a lot of people write me that did do that. So but I want to do that on a grand scale eventually in the future.
1: So how long have you been writing? I know you told me that, you know you destroyed your art and all that, but when was that?
2: That was in the 80s. Oh, okay.
1: So I, I decided at age
2: 10 I was going to be a singer-songwriter, but then by almost age 25, I set a date to kill myself because I hadn't written a song yet. Oh, and that's so Charlie, sad. <laughs> that's so sad. Like, no. Because it was 15 years. I knew I was going to be a great singer-songwriter, but I couldn't figure out how to finish a song. I would write little parts of songs, and I just – it was so depressing because I had taken so many music classes in – Yeah. In
1: that's a common thread. In,
2: music theory and in guitar, piano, saxophone, musical ensembles. I, every type of music thing I can do, I learned. And I learned from a young age. I just started studying on my own. I used to go to the library and just get music books and just study, like, the theory of music and the compositions and how they're created. But I, for some reason, I couldn't break through my writer's block for 15 years. And then shortly before the time I chose to kill myself, I fell asleep driving home from LA and I flipped my car oh my and my God. hand went out oh the window. God. Yeah. My hand went out the window and I almost lost my hand and it had third degree concrete burns all over it. And it was sometime after I got out of the hospital that I just, a song came out. It's just the whole song from beginning to end. I just wrote it all down and I got the chords and everything worked out. And so I didn't kill myself, but I'll go through times where I I'm not writing as much as I think I should. And then just songs will pour out of me. And then it will stop for a while. And so now I don't really push myself anymore because I've written over a hundred songs, and I know when the song is ready to come, it'll come through me if I'm the one it, it chooses to come through. Because I feel like I'm kind of channeling my music.
1: I don't think it's something you can rush. I've learned that the hard way. Like I'll get a whole idea for a song, I'll sit down to write it, and I get a verse and a half in, and it's like the rest of it just left me. And and the more you force it, the less it'll happen. Yeah, but, you know, I've.
2: 10 years or 12 years ago and I finally found them and finished them up recently. So yeah.
1: Now do you find songwriting therapeutic?
2: Yeah. If I didn't write songs, I think I would be in a mental institution probably.
1: (laughs) Well, it sounds like it was very important to you or what you wouldn't have been like, well, I just, I seem to can't do it. So what's the point? Which is a horrible decision.
2: I I, I feel like I, that's what I came to this planet to do because I was so attached by songwriters. Who's your favorite
1: songwriter other than David Bowie?
2: Lately, I've been I've been turned on to Morrissey, which I oh. I heard his stuff in Smiths and and when he went solo for a while, but I never really read the lyrics and listened to lyrics, and then I found this new radio station in in out of TJ called Willie FM, which is 105.7, and they played one of Morrissey's newest songs called I Spent the Day in Bed, and it. I was like, oh, my God, I needed this song so bad. So I went online and I downloaded the last, like, seven or eight albums of Morrissey. And I can't can't believe I haven't heard any of those songs on the radio. And he's still writing incredible songs. So just lately, Morrissey. But I I really like – I got into Sting for a long time when he left The Police. I really liked his early work. And I liked Seal for a long time. I haven't listened to much of his new stuff. But I really loved uh, Indigo Girls. The lyrics are just incredible, so good. Oh, lately uh, Julian Lennon, John Lennon's son, he has about seven albums out now, and his newer—oh, well, I liked all of his albums, but his newer albums are so deep and they're so—he's surpassed his dad like completely. I mean, his his music is so incredible. And then l- lately, I've been turned on to Tim Christensen, who's from Holland.
1: I have no idea who that is. And the crazy thing is,
2: I was just searching uh, on some Russian site for people who used the first name Tim. And that's how I found him. And I downloaded like seven.
1: (laughs) I really like (laughs) him. You're like, we're both cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When I first first released an album, I released it as Timothy. And that was back in in the 90s when Jewel was famous, Sting was famous. All the people were just using one one name, like uh, Shana. Oh, Davis right. And she... No, but is
1: different. Him. She can do whatever she wants still.
2: She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just released an album, Timothy, back then. And then I would, And then when I went to Japan, I got married. I released an album under my first wife's name because I, I wrote a novel that the main character takes his wife's... It, he said, if I ever get married, I'm going to take my wife's name because I can't know what my name is because all my mothers throughout time had to give up their name to patriarchy. So oh, I took, my, I love I took that my life
1: so much.
2: Yeah. But it was a stupid idea because I, after I got divorced, I, I changed all my albums back to my, <laughs> my birth name.
1: <laughs> but you know, but the thought behind it was so beautiful and progressive and like, I dig it. I'm sorry. The marriage didn't work, man. But that was cool. <laughs> Do you ever write with other people?
2: I wrote twice with other people, and one time on my second album, which is, the song's called Believed to be Linked to Al-Qaeda, that song, I had the melody, but I couldn't figure out the chords, so my friend that I was performing with, he came over, and I just started singing to him, and right away, he found the chords, it was absolutely perfect, and that's, his name was Richie Gill, I used to perform with him in San Diego, he was from, I mean in uh, Japan, he was from New Zealand and he was an amazing jazz guitarist and any other style guitarist. And he, I can't play the song on guitar because it's all jazz chords and you have to have a huge hand. And he had a huge hand, (laughs) but it's one of the most complex songs, but it, it got, it got played on, um, Pacifica radio in New York, which is WBAI during the democratic convention coverage. When, um, Hillary Clinton and uh, Obama were debating each other. So oh, it, got a pretty, it got a pretty big uh, debut of my music wow. in, in New York. Yeah. But I, I never heard anything from it. It's, it was crazy because I figured thousands and thousands of people must have heard the song. And it was very. Oh, they were
1: way too focused on that election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, they were probably there were probably people like, oh, I've not heard that. That's cool. And then that was the end of the thought. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then NPR played one of my songs, and I only got one email from that. Some lady bought my CD after that, but it's every time it plays on a radio, I, I've had 91X play about seven, of my, seven of my songs, and I'm always waiting for all my, you know, my phone to start ringing and all these producers and and get a record deal or something, but it never, it hasn't happened yet. So I mean, we'll
1: yet, yet is the op- operative word, and I don't think that's really how the music industry works anymore. I, know, I think I, I think independent musicians doing what you're already doing are the way that the music industry is going to turn. And I think it's kind of beautiful and hopefully it takes down the big beast because I feel like they yeah. keep some musicians down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be signed on a great big label too. That'd be so cool. Oh my God. Like win a Grammy. Are you serious? That'd be great. But at the same time, that type of fame is not long lasting typically yeah, unless yeah. you want to fucking share somebody it's yeah. independent music is where it's at especially after this pandemic because those independent musicians man we kept pumping out the music before i move on i want to touch base because not only are you a, you know a songwriter a singer um you're trying to help other musicians and artists get out there i mean you're kind of doing everything you're pretty busy but you've all you're also an author how many books have you written i wrote my novel myth shattering mm-hmm. and then
2: I wrote a book of my thousand pages of writings at Soka University of America, and I published it in three volumes because it took me a while to edit it and publish it. And then I eventually put those three volumes along with my senior thesis in, in one large volume. So depending on how you count it, I wrote two books or four books or five books. I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay. Because I saw a thing where it was like, he wrote five books. I was like, hold on. That's kind of major. But you, but you actually <laughs> published them and everything. Like, they're out there.
2: Yeah. And I and I was started to write two other books, but I haven't. I got a few chapters, and then I changed and started writing another book, and I got a few chapters, and I just haven't really – I plan on writing another book very soon, but it's. I'm not going to push it. It's going to come out when it's going to come out.
1: Just like lyrics, you can't push it. What are they uh,
2: – Well, my my novel was about my punk rock days growing up in Huntington Beach, and I discovered Buddhism through my mother, but I changed the story a little bit. The punk rock kid in the book discovers it from his – dead dad which my dad's not dead but at the time I didn't know where my dad was so I just imagined he was dead and I created this whole story and the main character is kind of like me and uh, he finds his old dead father's book collection in in boxes in in his garage and he becomes all revolutionary politically active and then he finds his books about Buddhism and he's, he discovers Buddhism and how it can how it can address all the issues that he cares about in activism.
1: So the first track I'm going to play is It's All Up To You. Tell me about that one. OK, so It's All Up To You. I
2: wrote for actually that guy who I was telling you about who wrote that song with me. Really? He was. Uh, I was trying to teach him about Buddhism and about the idea of you create everything that you're going through. And the only way you can change it is by changing yourself in, internally. So that's what the whole song is about and it was just my way of teaching him Buddhism when I wrote that song to him. He he was actually going through breakups after breakup after breakup with girls and he was never looking at himself in the equation. He was just always like oh this person's terrible, All this one's shitty or whatever. And it was <laughs> I was just trying to make him say no, it's look at yourself, you know. There's something you need to change too to not be attracting people that are not right for you. But everyone likes that song the most. That's why I put it as the first one on the on list. It is
1: last so song. good. It has like an old school feel to it. Um Yeah. And a badass guitar solo. Is that him? Or no. No, that cool. is actually UG and okay. he he was only 25
2: years old at that time. And he yeah, he was really good. I wanted him to join a band with me and we perform live and he was so shy he never wanted to perform live he wanted to only do recording in the studio the piano part the jazz piano part uh-huh. that was my producer remy Destroques, who's from he was living in japan but now he's back in paris he lives in paris
0: So
1: some of that, like we said, some of that, that Buddhism thought process makes its way into your music. It's like like we talked about with it's all up to you. Now, do you do that intentionally
0: or does that sort of just happen?
2: Well, I find whatever I'm studying or whatever I'm thinking about, it'll just come out in the music. There's always some part of me that's trying to push it towards that direction. Like even if I'm writing a sad song, Mm -hmm. by the end of the song, the last verse or the last chorus, I'll go into Turning it it around to something positive.
1: Right, because it's not like positive, positive all the time. Everything's flowers and roses, and because that's not real. You can't block out some of the dark stuff too. That's that what they call toxic positivity, which is actually just as bad for you as being negative all the time. And and so there's a balance. And during this pandemic,
2: writing a lot of songs that are really depressing.
1: (laughs) We all did. Um, I didn't write at all I, I wrote one song at the end of 2019 and I have somebody who keeps saying send me stuff send me stuff send me stuff and I feel like such a schmuck because I have nothing to send and I don't want him to and I hope he's listening Brent are you listening I hope he doesn't think it's him it's, it's that like everything's so gross right now that I'm having a hard time writing did you have some of the, well obviously you just went with it and wrote some sad stuff Really dark and sad stuff. But I like them. I like the sad and dark stuff too. Well, I mean, like, like it's But did you turn? Did you turn that positive thing at the end of those? One or two songs. Is, no. No. <laughs> well, I,
2: mean, I just wanted to go deep into it, deep into the, into what everyone was feeling, and I feel like I was channeling that energy of depression, and I just that was the what came out.
1: But what a great way to utilize that time!
2: After you complete a song, it feels like wow. Whatever I went through, it was worth going through. That now we have the song. So.
1: And did you feel better after?
2: Oh yeah, always.
1: I'm telling you, it's like magic. And and speaking of you know spinning it on the positive side at the end of a song, let's talk about silver lining because it does have a moment where I'm like, this isn't all positive. Um, I really liked, I really, really liked that track. I loved the line pushing the walls out of the way. I don't, it just really stuck out to me. Tell me about that. I wrote that
2: when spring was just starting in Japan and, and Japan has such intense long winters, so freezing cold and, and it was just starting to get sunny. And I looked up at the clouds and, there was dark black clouds, but there was a little bit of sunshine around them. And I asked my my wife, what what do you call that in Japanese? The, and I forget what she said she calls it. But I said, that's called silver lining. And I went home right after that. And I wrote that song just came out the whole song. And I was really writing it to her because we were going through a really hard time in our marriage. I felt that undertone. But now we're, we've been separated for four years, so I don't know. <laughs>
1: starting to open up out there
2: a yeah bit. even the coffee house you can go inside and sit down and plug in your computer and and study so there's people studying again in the coffee houses
1: oh yes. normal feeling
2: yeah they're just all closing super early because it used to be 24 hour coffee houses around here where we study yeah. all night now they're all closing yeah. at 7 o'clock
1: oh geez yeah We just got to be open, or we will get to be open past 11 now. I think that, yeah, in the next couple weeks, because our numbers are the lowest they've ever been. So I'm like, yay, that was scary, you know? And then the the election right after it, I was like, are you kidding me? I can't stand humanity. (laughs) (laughs) So is there anything else you want to tell people about your music? I feel I'm getting
2: more open to let my music come out the way it comes out without me having to direct it where it's going. Which I feel I tried so hard before to make it. For example, if if you have a a guy who writes horror, horror uh, stories, uh-huh. you don't think of that author as a bad person because he's writing killing and stuff like that. But for uh-huh. songwriters, we always feel like it's what we're writing about is something, personal to us where I'm starting to let go of that idea where I can write negative stuff and it's not coming from me trying to push an agenda. It's mm-hmm. just this is the feeling that's coming through me. And I'm just trying to be as honest with that feeling as, as I could be. So I have how, some pretty. How are
1: you able to let that go? Was there like, a, is there a secret to that? To yeah. I, I, I started
2: studying access consciousness. Mm hmm. And actually, Access Consciousness now has become more of the topics of my, my writing. Access Consciousness is a way to become fully conscious, just like Buddhism is a way to, I believe, become fully conscious. Um, they do it through verbal processing where they ask a question and you have you say yes to the question and they release everything that releases. So I'll give you an example. So what generative energy, space, and consciousness can you and your body be to be completely out of form, out of structure, out of significance, out of linearity, out of concentricity, out of control, for all eternity with total ease? Anything that wouldn't allow that, will you destroy and uncreate it all? And if you say yes, and then I run a statement, right and wrong, good and bad, all nine, pot and Fox shorts, boys and beyond, it allows you to get rid of all the uh, stuff you're holding on to, defi- to define yourself as as any one thing so you can be infinite. Hmm. And the more I do these processes, verbal processes, and I use them in my music now, the more I'm letting go of the idea that anything is judge judgeable. Where I used to be such a, a Buddhist Puritan, where I thought every, you know, I, I had to be so positive and, and had to be an example to the world that I'm a Buddhist or whatever, now I'm just writing whatever comes to me and not... Having to own it as that this is my song, it's just a song that I authored.
1: So it's given you a way to be more honest with yourself, which has let down some of the stress that you were holding on to when you were writing. Yeah. <laughs> huh. And now yeah, I, I, have,
2: I have a song played on, I hadn't, when I had seven songs played on anyone X, I felt each one it gave me so much courage to keep continue writing because I one of them at the beginning of the pandemic he said okay I'm gonna play another one of your songs and I was like I was so, it was so down that day and that whole week and then I turned on 91 exit on Sunday night and I heard my song and it was just so good to hear my song on the radio because it I've written so many songs and I feel like so many of them should be on the radio and on more radio stations and they haven't been. And it's it gets depressing because you 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 wonder why you're doing this if no one's listening, which I actually wrote a song called Voice Screaming in the Wilderness about that idea, which I'll be releasing soon.
1: Now, are you on social media other than YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on
2: Instagram. And recently I just started using Instagram. I was on I've been on Facebook for a long time. And what else am I on? Yeah, those are the main two right now.
1: So uh, if, if there were people listening, and no guarantees, because I haven't been lucky yet, but I always tell people to do it anyway, how could people get a hold of you on Facebook and Instagram, and do you have an email you'd like to give out?
2: Yeah, Tim Janakis. Spell that for the G- folks. Okay, T-I-M-J-A-N-A-K-O-S okay. at gmail.com. Okay. Or just search Tim Janakis on any platform, and I'm on everything.
1: You're everything. Now, yeah. is your music on Bandcamp and stuff? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 41. If you haven't already done so, please uh, go to Sound Pollution on my social media page and like, follow, subscribe, and share the show. I want to thank Tim again for being on an episode of Sound Pollution. Please visit his pages, find out what he's all about, and you guys be love and make some noise.